So now is the time for us to cultivate mindfulness. This mindfulness is the quality of being able to recollect, being able to remember. We also practice to have sampajanya, awareness, a complete awareness of the present moment. So for us practitioners, for us Dhamma practitioners, we all want fast results. We want to realize samadhi, collectedness of mind quickly. We study about uh, samadhi, about pity, rapture, about nimittas, about visions, and about a great peace of mind. And if we have a mind that is still, that has strength, then this will lead to wisdom. And we need this wisdom. So we want, we want these things. We want this peacefulness. We want this wisdom. But all things um, one must wait for. One must have patient endurance. One must wait for samadhi. One must wait for this samadhi to then lead to wisdom, to then see the Dhamma, to see the truth. One must have patient endurance. So if we make effort and we cultivate mindfulness with the in and out breath or with the mantra Bhutto every day, and then during the middle of the day, one should practice cultivating the mind to be mindful while working and using one's thoughts. And if one's not using one's thoughts, then one can be with the mantra Bhutto. And one should practice having mindfulness with all the six senses whether the body and tactile objects, the nose and smells, the eyes and sights, the ears and sounds, the tongue and flavors, or the mind with mental objects. One should know these things. And one can see that uh, when the awareness contacts these six different sense objects, then proliferation can arise in the mind. And these objects give rise to moods and proliferating thoughts and the mind chases after these objects. And when the mind chases after these objects, this gives rise to a sense of I, me, and mine. This is the arising of convention. When the mind is not still, then a sense of self arises. And this self arises a lot. And then we cling to the objects of the senses. And what starts out as pleasantness or happiness then when we cling to that, this is the cause for suffering and pain. So we should all make effort to have mindfulness in our practice. Sometimes we'll feel peaceful, sometimes we won't. So we must have patient endurance, we must wait. And if we have no patient endurance and we can't wait and we feel like we must have results quickly, this is something that simply cannot be there's a story of a child who was with his grandfather and the child kept wanting this and that, wanting various things. And the grandfather kept saying, oh, just wait first, just wait first. And this uh, child felt very frustrated. Um, and there was another story of a monk who similarly, similarly desired an object and his teacher told him, oh, go out, uh, and find it in the light of day, and the monk couldn't find it. And the Ajahn said to try at night, and still couldn't find it. 
and asked him to sit and wait first. And when the monk was finally able to sit and wait, then he's able to find what he's looking for. So all good things one must have, one must wait for, one must have patience. Just like planting a tree, in order to get flowers and fruit, one must have patience, one must wait. It's the same with our practice. And so for ourselves, we practice having patient endurance for ourselves, just with oneself. And we can ask ourselves, how much patient endurance did the, did the bodhisattvas have? When they build parami, how much do they build in order to become a self-awakened Buddha? So this is uh, the kanti, the patient endurance of the bodhisattvas, is without limit, without measure. For a normal person, one just has patient endurance for oneself, but the bodhisattvas have patient endurance not for themselves, but for all beings. When we have patient endurance, we can feel hot and agitated just for ourselves already. But the bodhisattvas will have patient endurance for all beings wandering in samsara. And in, just in this one life, we feel like we encounter much suffering. And we can reflect that the great loving kindness, the great compassion of the bodhisattvas is without measure, is without limit. What they do, they do for the sake of all suffering beings wandering on endlessly. They do everything for the sake of all beings. They cultivate the paramis such as uh, dana, giving, sila, virtue, metta, loving kindness, panya, wisdom, kanti, patient endurance, upeka, equanimity, wiriya, effort, satcha, truthfulness, aditana, determination. This is uh, just an example. And the bodhisattvas build such a great level of parami, they even sacrifice their lives in many lifetimes in order to build this parami to an ultimate level. And this is something that's not easy to do. It's not easy to make the paramis full. And they have this great loving kindness and compassion for others in order to help them overcome dukkha, which is not something easy to achieve at all. So for ourselves, we should make effort to practice and cultivate our minds. If anger arises and we feel that we don't have the patience to deal with this anger, we should think of the Buddha who had such great patient endurance and all the many lifetimes as a bodhisattva cultivating parami. So we can think of the Buddha as an example. And similarly with dana, we can think of the great vast acts of generosity that the Buddha performed to cultivating the dana parami. <clears throat> and again, if we feel that we don't have effort or energy, we can think of the Buddha who had such great effort and energy in countless lifetimes as a bodhisattva. And the Buddha had such a parami, had aditana parami, and was able to succeed in so many endeavors over many lifetimes. Uh, with these parami. And there is one example when the Buddha was a bodhisattva, he was an ascetic, a renunciate, and he f had no happiness living in that way. And his friend got bitten by a snake. 
and the Bodhisattva went to his friend and made a vow of truth. And his vow of truth was living as an ascetic. I've had no happiness at all by the power of this truth. May the snake venom leave your body. And this worked. The snake venom left his body by the power of this great truth. This was the great Satchaparami of the Bodhisattva. So one can think of the Buddha as an example in these many ways. We can also think of the Sangha, the enlightened disciples, such as Lumpu Man and Lumpu Cha, who had such a great practice and high levels of parami. We can use them as an inspiring example. And there was one uh, Lumpu Kamdi in the province of Lui, and he was over 60 years old. And I went to see him when I was 21 years old. And there is one day when Lumpu Kamdi went on alms round. And thinking of that, I felt such great uh, rapture and felt such fullness in my heart. When we got back to the monastery, it was a monastery that was isolated and did not have much food. And I felt hunger in my body, but I felt such fullness in my heart that I didn't need to eat. I didn't bother eating because of this great fullness in my heart. And Lumpu Kamdi at the time was a anagami, a non-returner. And later on, he went to uh, receive teachings from Lungta Mahabua and realized arahantship uh, through this. So we can also think of Lungta Mahabua as a great member of the Sangha, as an object of recollection. So during this period of traveling, I was a little bit uh, forgetful or heedless and didn't pack enough items for myself and it was extremely cold at night. So when I went to visit another temple, it was so cold that I tried to use a, a mat or a rug as a blanket and this felt uh, very torturous at night. It was so cold. So we should all uh, take care of our bodies and not be heedless in this way. So we should all have patient endurance, have virtue, and have these paramis, and think of the Buddha as a bodhisattva building these paramis to such an exalted level. And then in this way, great strength of mind can arise. So make effort in your practice of mental cultivation and see all things as empty of self, and that this self just comes out of proliferation and the mind, when the mind is still, the mind can see convention and freedom and can see that this proliferation simply arises from one's own heart. And one can see that all conventions come from this proliferation of mind. And this is how the sense of self arises from this proliferation. And if one sees this clearly, one can see that there's in reality, no me, no mind, no I, it's all empty. Nature is simply this emptiness. And yet the habit of the mind is to cling to things as me and mine. This gives rise to suffering, to stress. So seeing this clearly and understanding this, we can call this many different things. We can call this understanding the Dhamma, seeing the Dhamma. And when one sees the Dhamma and understands it clearly, one can feel a great uh, rapture and happiness arise in the heart. <clears throat>
And this happiness um, does not come from thinking. And it's something, the seeing of the Dhamma, it's something that happens by itself. And we don't necessarily think, oh, I'll see the Dhamma today. And yet when the parami is ripe, when the conditions are ripe, then this seeing of the Dhamma happens, comes from our parami. It's something that is possible, something that can happen. For instance, seeing um, the body is just a pile of bones, seeing this clearly one can see the Dhamma. And this is the fruit of freedom arising in the heart. So do this every day, practice every day, be close to the Dhamma every day. And then one day one can see clearly into the truth, one can see the Dhamma. In order, for, in order for this to happen, one must have effort and diligence in one's practice. So may you all grow in blessings. May you all grow in Dhamma. Today is the 8th of August, 2020.